Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is the concluding part of our race overview series, where we go over our PC race wish list. We've just finished going over all 56 available player races from the hardcover books, and we talked about monsters and PCs, and I got my mind to thinking, what races do I want? So I'd like to go over some of the races that I want, you want, and the community wants. I created a post on the Paizo forums getting input on player race-related subjects. I'll be interjecting some things taken from the community as we do this episode. And you guys can find the link to the uh, original discussion in the description of the episode. I'm sure you have a pretty lengthy and detailed list, Caleb, because you are a needy person. (laughs) (laughs) Christian, that hurts. That wasn't even funny or sarcastic. That was just too honest. It was too real. My my list is pretty short because I'm incredibly easy to appease and I have little to no motivation. And it has nothing to do with me not preparing the show notes at all. (laughs) Well, I like to start off what I think would be strong, and that is with the mighty Minotaur. I think Minotaurs are really cool. And that's going to be the whole episode. Like, I just think this race, it's just cool, you know? (laughs) You know, you you think of Minotaur, you're like, wow, that guy's cool. Christian, you're not wrong. (laughs) Uh, And in Paizo has even released, like, uh, I think it's the Inner Sea Beast Jerry has a bunch of different Minotaurs because they're like, we need to expand on this. When, When even Paizo has a small paperback, which they have very few pages, and they say, we're going to dedicate... You know, one-eighth of this to, to Minotaurs. You, you know that it's at least got some sort of traction in the community. I mean, Minotaurs are a really classical fantasy thing. It's like in a lot of historical fantasy. I'm surprised there's not... They're already represented really well, but I'm very surprised that they're represented as a special thing that a uh, player can. And I feel like it would be pretty easy. Just give them the, the natural gore attack and maybe a, a thing about charging or a thing about not getting lost or a thing about sort of like, and this is like something that's stupid that I never use, but it would be thematic. There's this thing about like, long as I'm standing on the ground, I get a plus five to overrun or whatever. Something like that. I think it'd be a simple way that you could really make them fairly easily uh, balanced. And I think that they could stay. They don't have to be large creatures. They can keep them as medium and, and you can just kind of picture them as big. The Minotaur purists somewhere are shouting in anger. Caleb suggests they may not be large-sized. <laughs> well, I kind of think about, like, on the lower spectrum of medium, we have dwarves, which I've often mistaken for small, but I'm like, oh, wait, wait, I forget. They're just short, sort of medium. And I think you could just have, on the opposite end of the spectrum, minotaurs being big. Speaking of dwarves, on my list, I have half dwarves, which is something that's been said before, and I thought a lot about it, like, why would I want a half dwarf? And I realized that, it's that people like dwarves, but people don't like being short and stocky. They just want more lanky dwarves that are more normal proportioned. And I really so think that's, humans. It kind of, but with beards and drinking problem. I don't. I don't get this. I'm not a big fan of dwarves. I don't understand why people want half dwarves. This was a big one on the community as well. They talked about half dwarves, and I don't understand it. Can't you just be a person? Isn't that what just a person, a human is? I mean, I think there'd be some differences. They'd still have some of the aesthetic of dwarves, just not so exaggerated to be so short and stout. So it's just a human with a beard? I don't get it, Christian! I mean, it's still an in-between. They'd still be shorter than humans. They'd still be shorter than humans by a little bit. They'd still be a little bit stockier, but not to such a huge degree. Where, like, have you seen, like, the Paizo side-by-side, like, races mm-hmm. in their underwear thing? Like, the, the dwarves yeah. are, like, barrels. Two Christian, barrels taped together. races in their underwear. Yes, of course I have. Go on. <laughs> but I, I, I really think it does stem from that, because um, a lot of people don't like the aesthetic of being, you know, short, stocky. 
um, but they want the actual, like, lore implications of being a dwarf. What the best of both worlds, Kate? Uh, I, I guess I just, I'll never get it. I can't think outside of my own mind. And it's something I wouldn't want, so how could anyone else want it, Christian? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, why would we want a new Mercy remake? She reses the whole team. Why are we getting rid of this? This is the fantasy. It's what everyone wants. What's wrong with you, Overwatch community? Blizzard, who are you hiring? <laughs> Nekujin. These are essentially uh, what you would, many animes love to have them. It's the cute girl with the with the little God, cat ears and little stop, cat tail. Stop, Caleb. What? No. <laughs> what? You know how I feel about anime. Mm-hmm. You love it and you think it's an art form? <laughs> Quite the opposite. <gasps> anime was a mistake. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate them as a person who uh, enjoys anime a lot. And I think they're cute and attractive and adorable. And uh, I think Ekujin would be a great addition. I think also, like, you could sort of, like, I think it's very easy. One of the easiest things to skin, probably with my suggestions here you know just cat folk and, and you just call them Nekogen if you want and just describe them as having the skin and stuff but there's definitely space in there some design space to sort of make them differently and that's actually one of the ones we'll talk about when we do our homebrew episode in the 300 series I think it's 300 or 400 I think it's a 300 we talk about some of the homebrew stuff we did and I made an Nekogen I can't wait to introduce that to you guys can you see so this is a, you don't get the half dwarf I don't get the Nekogen why not just be a cat folk or a human why do you want the in between and why are you cramming anime down my throat <laughs> okay I can answer to answer the second question first, because you need it, okay? This is like the kid who won't take the medicine. Listen, you need it, otherwise you're going to die of the, po- of the pox. I don't know what the pox is, but you're going to get it. Christian, you need anime. Uh, and, and, the, and the first answer, uh, I think you literally, I, I've never been so quickly put in my place before. This is exactly the same thing as what I was just being like, I don't get the half dwarf. It's stupid. I want to be half cat, half human. <laughs> You've just thrown it in my face and I have no argument against it. You're right. I guess just now we can understand each other. Now I guess I can kind of understand why people want half dwarfs. Look at that, Christian. You brought it around. So going a bit back to this goes side by side with half dwarfs for me. And this isn't really a specific request, but I just want cool, small races. I just feel like they don't exist and I can't find any. And there's like none I want to play. And I don't know if it's just because I don't want to roleplay as a small person or just because there just isn't any like cool small races. Like, are there other art forms and stories that have like small races that you would consider cool, Caleb? Because I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I like Guild Wars. What's a small race in that? Asura. Well, they're kind of small and annoying and have the high energy thing. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, any game, any story, any lore with, like, small races that aren't obnoxious. The only thing that comes to mind is pixies, little fairies. Are do they are they not obnoxious? Is that not their thing? Uh, yeah, I guess so. You don't have to play them as obnoxious, but yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm kind of with you on, on the small race one. Like, Halfling's the closest. That's just, like, a normal small race. But then there's, like, too close to humans where it's like, I'm just playing a tiny human. Yeah, but I think we have, there's a good number, I think, of, of small ones. As we went on, we did the race review series. I was like, oh, Kobold is kind of cool. Rat Folk is kind of interesting. So I, I've presented a, a question that I don't have an answer for. As one cool small races. I want that to be in the race name, cool small race. Racial uh, Werewood was one you like. They're cool. Yeah, but they're like constructs. And they, they are definitely cool, but they're definitely on the fringe of playable in like a normal campaign. And like easy to interject into your world. Like even just interjecting like gnomes and halflings into the world. Like sometimes I just forego doing that as a GM because I don't. Like obviously I can change the way they're represented. Mm-hmm. But I can't change the way that like people already perceive them. Well, next on my list, which is semi-ordered from most uh, from most to least desired, um, 
is a Cthulhu-like race in D&D. Uh, some, think of sort of the Mind Flare, if you're familiar with D&D. If, you, if you've ever seen those, those Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I'm talking like Davy Jones, octopus face sort of thing. When, I, when we first saw the Edithian, when I first just heard we're going to have an uh, uh, eldritch race, I thought that we were going to do a Cthulhu-like race, and I was kind of disappointed when it was the Edithian. I would really, really enjoy playing as this and i don't even have to be like i I commune with the dark one and my mind is constantly phasing between sanity and insanity i don't need that i just really like that aesthetic but there's plenty of room there to sort of connect it with the cthulhu mythos so to what degree would you want this race to have that insanity bent to them i think i i would sort of kind of like how the edithian were just like we're very knowledgeable sort of play that off in a little bit of a different direction of we're not knowledgeable because we freaking have studies and we have libraries that go on for miles, uh, but we sort of, our minds work a little bit differently and we can sort of comprehend these sort of quote-unquote fifth-dimensional objects and, and, and beings in existence. Our mind doesn't break as much as yours. We don't think so three-dimensionally. But I really just want a squid face. I don't care how I think. Just give me a squid face. Because you know, octop- aren't octopi considered uh, one of the most intelligent uh, creatures, at least of the sea? Yes. They can uh they can unscrew themselves from a peanut butter jar if that means anything. That means the peanut butter jar, it, my peanut butter jar plan is out the window for when the water <laughs> takes over the earth. I need to get toy. What do we do with all these peanut butter jars? No, no one's gonna want them on eBay. Ugh. Well, while I'm reeling for how much money I just set myself back, what's your next race? So you had mentioned the Edithian, which is the closest I think we have gotten to the race I want, and that is an insect. Uh, type race. I don't believe there was anything we covered that was really insectoid in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think aesthetically, there is a lot you could do with that. There's obviously tons of different kinds of insects and similar to how the um, Gorin was just kind of like tree people and you could represent that in a, such a myriad of different ways. Just mm-hmm. having a base insectoid people, well, it could be like a fly. It could be like a beetle. It could be like mm-hmm. a, a stick bug. It, you got so many avenues to go down there. And it comes with the kind of comfortable role-playing scenario of having a race that's kind of a, not necessarily a hive mind, but like they're very plentiful and they all have their position in their society and they all work toward a common goal and think like kind of on the same wavelength. I feel like we're really missing that. Yeah, you know, that would be interesting. There is some entries in the bestiary that are like, this is a small bug woman and things like that that I've always sort of wondered, why didn't we make this a race? Uh, but one thing that was introduced in the newest bestiary might help you out a little bit. It's uh, the entothropes. Which are like uh, lycanthropes. Instead of for animals, it's for insects. So they have like a mantis person. They have a um, were mantis, a were spider, were wasp, that sort of thing. <laughs> I can finally be Weevil Underwood from Yu-Gi-Oh. I thought you didn't like anime. I don't. Doesn't mean I can't make fun of it. <laughs> that, that was just my attempt to get everyone to yell at me and go, "Did you just call Yu-Gi-Oh anime?" <laughs> yeah, guys, you know Yu-Gi-Oh and uh, and uh, Courage of Cowardly Dog, my favorite animes. <laughs> My favorite anime is Scrubs. My favorite anime is Ruby. What's up now, haters? Oh, now we got a flame war in the comments. This is a podcast. We don't have Camelot section. All right. I I, want to sort of build off of that. I'm going to skip one of my lists to get to this because I think it fits in well. And that's the Formian. I really like the Formians. I think they're interesting. They're in Bestiary 4. They're sort of a hive mind bug race of centaur-like insects. And I would love to be a a Formian and have a Formian race. Uh, But I'm going to mention that very quickly since you sort of kind of covered things with the insect race but i would like to mention i think that its hive mind would be an interesting thing to play around with in its racial traits uh whether 
you have broken off from the hive mind or if you you get some sort of uh, you know bonuses because you're connected to the hive mind it definitely would be interesting to play with them with that sort of a mindset that seems like very alien to play as and we were talking about you know sort of moving away from just the standard i'm an elf and i think like humans pretty much i'm a dwarf i think like humans pretty much i'm a rat folk i think like humans pretty much <laughs> and so the one I skipped was Knoll. I think everyone wants to be a Knoll, and it's the same thing like with the Minotaur. I think it's classic, but I think the Knoll have a different kind of place. The Knoll have like this place in the community's heart. When I was doing the the, the sort of survey, it definitely ranked up there with Minotaur. And it was just, I don't know what it is about the Knoll that has grabbed this community. It was like, I swear, if goblins didn't exist, it'd be the Knolls that would be the the sort of iconic beast, the the mascot. I don't know why people like Knolls so much. Because they're the closest thing we had to dogs before the Rougarou. <laughs> they have been supplanted. You figured it out, Christian. Heck with Noel, I got Rougarou, I don't need them. <laughs> I don't know, I think, I think aesthetically Noles are really cool because they, they kind of got that hyena aesthetic to them yeah. where like, their head's kind of hunched forward and they got that, I don't know, like their shoulders are kind of like enlarged and that's always looked really cool. The fur is pretty much the same. And I, th- I think a lot of stuff on my list, I feel like we lack big dumb races. We, there's not a lot of races that kind of fit the big, dumb um, trope. No, like no, humans are in there. <laughs> like, I think orcs were one of really the only ones that would fit in there. Maybe Suli, but not really. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about Anthros, um, dragonkin, dragonborn, whatever you want to call them, dragon people, um, anthropomorphic people who are uh, related to dragons, descendant from dragons in some way. Obviously a really popular concept. It is a core race in 5th edition of D&D, so obviously something that people enjoy. Something that's been a lot in other forms of media. I mean, dragons are obviously something that span across all high fantasy. Um, And I think dragon people are a way to put the coolness of dragons into your campaign without the implications of having an overpowered dragon in your campaign. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've gone by a lot of names over the years. Some people have called them Dragonkin, I think was in D&D. Um, Scaly Boys. Or maybe it was Dragonborn. No one's called them Scaly Boys in the history of the world. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I had them on my list too. They were kind of low. Uh, they weren't very high on it, but but I mean, it's not. I mean, how many times it'd be like, oh, the anthro? Of course, that's on Caleb's list. All right, listen, I don't have, I don't have. <laughs> freaking... Actually, Caleb told me to to say that one. <laughs> he, he said, "Christian, I have too many anthros." <laughs> <laughs> My whole list is actually anthros. Everything else that's on here that's not anthros, I took from his list. Uh, but yeah, who doesn't want to be a freaking dragon that can fly, but he's also a person? And I'm really, really, really surprised Pathfinder hasn't done it yet. But we had the waiver in. We did. We were very disappointed with its stats, though. I want a sort of symbiote-like race. If you've ever seen Spider-Man, the symbiote is like this sort of inky substance that grabs onto somebody and has a symbiotic relationship with its host, almost parasitic. What is this obscure of... reference you've made to Spider-Man? <laughs> it's, it's an American anime. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic anime. It's, 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 it's a great Japanimation. <laughs> Somebody, when I was writing this down and the community was talking to me about a ragamuffin, and I said, I do not want to play a muffin race. That may be adorable if I can be that guy from the ASDF movie. It's just like, kill me! And it's like this adorable muffin, but I don't know how much, how many levels I can take in muffin. If that's a class. How deep does this character's arc go? 
Christian, I've got about seven pages, and I'd like to read them to you right now. <laughs> this mysterious creature. No. Uh, so Ragamuffin is a uh, a creature of sentient scraps of cloth, leather, metal, and other such items. Sort of their history was that people say that they're formed from the remnants of magical cloaks, boots, weapons, and other stuff that was worn out and discarded. And then they would get together and they would wrap around people and they would use them so almost like mannequins, marionettes. Uh, and I think it's a really, really nice design space for them. You could have it like the ink. You could have it like this sort of scraps of leftover magical stuff. Uh, maybe some of their – I really thought it would be interesting to have their features determined by what race they inherit. Like when you pick a ragamuffin, you need to pick a sub-race, another race that you've occupied. Or like there's a – maybe – let me just list it off the core because you can't do it for everybody. There's some sort of feature that would change your racial stats – Based on what you took. So as the game went on, you found somebody else, you jump onto them. Now you have different sort of base stats. That'd be pretty interesting, I would think. And maybe even so, you could just be like, you know what? What if I just grab onto a mannequin? I don't want to hurt nobody. I'm just going to grab a mannequin. And what would the stats be for that? What happens to the person you latch onto? I don't know. I think that's open for kind of... I don't know about Ragamuffin specifically, but for what I'm thinking of, I haven't even really thought about what happens. Either they have to be dead, or maybe you take them over. I don't know. I like this idea as fitting into my cool small races. I was instantly thinking of them as a small race because they're a collection of kind of discarded items. So, like, I, I think it's cute to have a PC that's like a discarded coffee pot, and a couple pegs from a Jenga tower. <laughs> in Spider-Man, they, uh, sort of the way they have the symbiote work is that he sort of kind of is influencing and bringing out different aspects of Peter Parker's... Oh, spoiler alert! Sp- Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Uh, his his personality. Some sort of maybe the bad, uh, more rebellious parts of Spider-Man's personality. So something I want to see that might work better as a template than an actual race is some race that is basically incapable or, like, unable to touch magic. Um, They have some sort of disconnect with the world of magic where basically they have, like, they can't be affected by magic as easily mechanically, but can't take levels in a magic casting class. This was actually a race of people, or more of a group of people in a book series I read when I was younger called The Sword of Truth series um, by Terry Goodkind. It was a group of people who they, I think they were just called ungifted, if I recall correctly. They didn't have any spark of magic, and they were used very heavily as a storytelling device. Uh, having a group of people who are in, inured to magic like that uh, has a lot of repercussions in the world. But again, might, might work better as a template than an actual race. Well, I think this one's an interesting one because most of the ones we've picked so far are like sort of uh, aesthetic is sort of maybe what drives them. Uh, you know, I want the knoll because it looks like a knoll. It's sort of like, I'm not thinking mechanics because a cat folk has maybe similar mechanics. But this one, you're, you're looking at based almost solely on mechanics instead of visuals. Right. In, in the series I'm speaking of, they were really just humans. Just happened to be ungifted. They didn't have any sort of special aesthetic to them. I'll put, I'll put only one negative point to you is I, I do not need any more human looking races. The elves are pushing it. Oh, they're taller and skinnier and have long ears. You're describing my uncle. <laughs> no, you're not. I have my, my family's Italian. He's very short. I want. I want a skeleton race, Christian. I want a skelly man. We've we've seen. I the don't design. disagree with you. Great. I also don't disagree with myself. Episode over. Uh, <laughs> I think that the design space we've seen it open with the Wurwood. It didn't have a con score, and that's sort of like the biggest. Uh, problem to introduce an undead race as a player race is that you're not going to have a con score and it limits you with what certain classes you can pick we said most obviously the kineticist 
Uh, but I would like to see, I picked skeleton specifically, but sort of maybe you could do any sort of sort of undead race. And right now you can, you can be a skeleton done with templates, but I think most GMs would probably not let you do it. There's a lot of balance issues with it. Uh, I would like to see a sort of streamlined skeleton undead race. Look, I, I love Undertale. I'd really love to play Essence and or Papyrus in some capacity. You're you're trying to trick me. You're just naming fonts. <laughs> Was there I wanna, someone named Webdings? I, I want to play a, a skeleton character who puts lipstick on and a big blonde wig, but it's otherwise still just a skeleton. <laughs> I don't know why that aesthetic is so hilarious to me. There's a, there's a cool monster in, I think, Beast Jerry 4 or 5. Uh, I think it's a psychopomp. It's a skeleton lady that's taken sort of from, uh, you know, the Dance of the Dead or the Festival of the Dead, whatever it's called, in Mexico. And it's just like, she's so cool. She has all this decor on, this sort of Mexican-inspired, um, culture-inspired. She's holding all these flowers, and she's got makeup on. You should look at the art. But it's another really classic thing that's, you know, permeant throughout fantasy. Being able to play one would be really cool. So my next one probably isn't going to sound too cool to people. Um, but I learned about Neanderthals in some class I took in college. How how they're basically, they were kind of like a, just another race incredibly close to us. And humans probably killed all of them. Um, and it's, it's hard to describe why. I, this fits again to like, I want big dumb races. Neanderthal fits really well into the big dumb race. Their aesthetic isn't too different from humans, but it's different enough that I think constitutes it. Um, it might also just fit as an alternate racial trait to humans better. I hate Neanderthals and couldn't disagree with you more. They they use tools and stuff, Caleb. They were smart, like us. Christian, I disagree with you, but I will fight for your right to have that opinion. <laughs> right after we tear all the statues down. I would I would like to have a uh, Anubis-like race, sort of from Egyptian mythology. And, and maybe you could do different things for racial traits, like instead of Anubis, you're the crocodile head person. But the idea is like human body... Animal head. But it sort of fits like with the Minotaur too, even though they do have different, like they have hooves and stuff. And the Egyptian things usually just have the head is different. Uh, I think it's kind of cool. Anubis really is the one I'm really interested in. I'm not really interested in the rest of them very much. But I'd like that. would be pretty neat. I'd also like to see a clockwork-based race. It's kind of like the android, but I really thought after we, thinking, after we covered the android, maybe this can just be accomplished with an alternate racial trait or two for the android. But I want to I want to be the wound up machine instead of the you know very fleshy almost human machine. Clockworks have always been interesting to me. If you listen to Trailblazers, you, you'll see that I I, have, uh, I enjoy robots and things like that. I think they're cool. And definitely in season one, there's a lot of clockwork things. Question: Have you ever played World of Warcraft? Yeah, unfortunately. Do you remember, do you, <gasps> do you remember the Ethereals? Nope. This is sort of, I think, in like the opposite of what you're talking about for magic. These guys are pretty much like I'm made of magic, and I wrap bandages around myself so you oh, can, yes, so I, I can have some sort of form. I love the idea. I think because I love anime, I love people in bandages. I guess it's like the person's outfit is bandages. He wasn't wounded. It wasn't like episode two and three. It was episode one through season five, episode fifty that this guy is bandages because it's anime. Get out of here. He's got abs. All right, so he can—he looks great in them, Christian. Okay, uh, I would love this sort of like I'm almost—I'm almost invisible. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm not formless, and I use these things to wrap myself around in. I can even picture like you know, throw paint on me so that I could—you can sort of see me. So closely related to Neanderthal people, not really in terms of actual time scales, I think. But dinosaur people, yep, more anthros. Um, I think they could do, you could do something similar to Skinwalkers, where Skinwalkers kind of have, like, different options based on, you know, what beast 
they transform into. They get different bonuses. You could have, you know, dinosaurs are this big, open, tons of different races, tons of different aesthetics. And you could just, like, very easily classify a couple with some easy options like... You know, your raptors and T-Rex-like things either get claw attacks or bite attacks. Your stegodons and stuff like that, they get natural armor bonus. And then the wing stuff just gets, like, a glide speed and, like, have those just be options for the class. Or, excuse me, for the race. Because dinosaurs are cool. No one's denying dinosaurs are cool. Well, Christian, there is a cool monster in Beast Jerry 6 that you might want to check out. He is a sort of giant... Not giant, he's a large creature, and he's like a he's a dinosaur man. He's a bipedal sort of dinosaur dude that like controls other dinosaurs. You should take a look at it. But that kind of like immediately makes me think of when you're thinking of a dinosaur, you think of lizard. And lizard folk, that's a word that carries a lot of baggage with it. Uh, they can be pretty confusing. There's a beast called lizard folk in Beast Jerry 1 that does not present rules to play it as a PC. There was a playable race called Lizard Folk that was in the race builder section of the ARG that we just went over, the advanced race guide, not the alternate reality game. In addition, <laughs> there are several third-party resources that present a playable Lizard Folk race. So when I say Lizard Folk, I just mean I love the kobolds. I think they're interesting, but I want medium kobolds. Can I just have a medium kobold? That's what I'm talking about. And I think it kind of almost fits a little bit into the dragon race a little bit, a little bit into the dinosaur race. Just I want the medium lizard. Yeah, our only option right now is really the reptoid, which has that strange... You basically have to ignore the whole secret mm -hmm. society, government, Alex Jones. And it doesn't have a lot of options. Right. I thought maybe this could be accomplished with just, like, an alternate racial trait for the kobolds that make them medium creatures in exchange for something else. But we, we said with the dragons and such, obviously this is a popular concept. Uh, the dragon born being in 5e... Um, Argonians being a staple of the Elder Scrolls universe, very popular series of games. I think uh, when we went over the merfolk, I talked about one of the reasons I liked them was this sort of snake-like tail. And so to really bring that full circle, Lamias. Lamias are sort of half snake people, you know, bottom half is snake, top half is person. Uh, there's some great art for the Lamia matriarch and one of the bestiaries. Um, I don't know, I think, I think that's another one of those sort of, like, generic fantasy things that a lot of people would like to have. You mean half-nagas? Yeah, sort of like a half-naga. Half-a-naga. Hey, Christian, you remember when we, uh, did that, that novel review in the book fair of Bloodbound? Of course. Well, there was a race in there that we could never pronounce called Undafen. Do you remember them? I remember not being able to pronounce them. <laughs> they sort of had see-through skin, they lived underground, the lady was wearing all sorts of jewelry. They were see-through, right? Yeah. Pretty much, like you, you could see like their organs and veins and stuff. That's the part that I really, that I really want to run away with. I would like a new dolphin playable race just because that see-through skin is amazing, <laughs> and not just like, oh, I'm water, so you can see through me. I mean, like you don't, you see my skeleton. I'm, I'm, I'm out of a horror novel, son. I'm a Goosebumps episode. <laughs> the Glass Man. Exactly. <laughs> you, you really are a purely aesthetic person, aren't you? Not purely. It's 99%. <laughs> what what mechanics would this convey? Um, hide in plain sight and water. <laughs> Where did they go? I don't know. There's just a skeleton in the water here. Well, Someone hide in plain sight and water ago. that is near a graveyard and has a ton of skeletons in it. Christian, I don't... It looks cool. <laughs> Good thing. I said 1%. Good thing we're hiding in the college anatomy teacher's house with all his skeletons <laughs> everywhere. How convenient. 
when I, I said it before, when I pick a race, often that I won't even read their stats unless like the way they look. And then I look at the stats and say, okay, can I deal with this or not? I want to be this thing that way it looks. It's just the way I'm. You're right, Chris. What can I do? Uh, another sort of generic one is the Centaur. Uh, it was in the advanced race guide in the in the sort of in the race builder, but they did not think it was good enough to throw in the books to be a PC. For a reason, I would like to, them to take another crack at the Centaur. I think a lot of people like to be a Centaur. And one uh, that sort of fell off my list, which is the reason why it's on that last here, even though it's not my least wanted, is the Protoss from Starcraft. Starcraft has been a big thing in my life, big motive, uh, big inspiration for a lot of my storytelling. Uh, I love the game, I love the story, and the Protoss are a very unique and interesting race. But the Astaboy sort of fulfilled this request for me. I, I talked a little bit, you can go back to the Astaboy episode, uh, but, you know, so I sort of don't really need a, a Protoss race because I feel it would just be the Astamoy again, faceless. It would be so easy to skin Astamoy into Protoss. Um, so I'm glad we have that now. Quick, Caleb, just put two words together, ending with people. Uh, dream people. <laughs> yeah, I want to see dream people. Computer people. Elevator kin. <laughs> poster people. Sandboys. You know, they always have said I was a poster child. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Atmosphere girls. Christian, are you trying to make a point here? I feel like you're making a point. <laughs> I'm saying there's a lot of open design space, and all you have to do is throw words at a sticky board and see what sticks. Motorcycle people. Yes. What? Yes. Multi-lane drifting. <laughs> well, why don't we why don't we see what the community had requested? Uh, they, I, I this list doesn't include things we already went over. They went over a lot of things. Like they talk about the Minotaur, they talk about the Null, they talk about the Centaur, Dragonkin. These things were in there. But let's go over some that uh, we didn't mention. One was the uh, the community said they wanted the Agathions, which are in the Beastiary too. And the reason I mentioned this is because Agathions, if you don't know, they're sort of like the poster child. For anthro people, there's the fox agathion. There's there's different ones that look like different animals. This might be a good idea to future proof for for more animal races. People mentioned uh, bat folk, which really wasn't something I was interested in at all. But there was a couple people mentioned that fawns or satyrs. That's a I think that one's a great one. I, I do think that's a really good suggestion. That something else that's you know permeates throughout a lot of fantasy uh, fits a lot with the druidic themes that I feel like a, not a lot of races you know touch on the druidic theme. You got elves mm -hmm. and you got like Gathlings, I guess. Yeah, but you don't have a lot of things that are kind of like hard set in the nature druidic theme. There's driders, which are Why? sort of like <laughs> spider bottom girl top. Um, they could be boys, which is how I describe <laughs> my life in the bedroom. Hey, well, there's there's specific. <laughs> My wife's the spider bottom. I think the woman top. I didn't think this through. This immediately fell apart. <laughs> you have lightning bolt as a spell-like ability. Um, they're specifically drow that have you know are also part spider and they're terrifying. And if drow aren't overpowered enough, you can also make them into a horrible spider amalgamation and see what happens. That was, uh, I think, a holdover from first incarnations of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, all the underdark stuff. Uh, harpies. Uh, ogres, which in D&D there's like a half ogre. There's a template in, I think, be sure two or three to be ogrekin. We want big dumb. We want big dumb. I'm really not into that. I'm glad. I mean, I can't. I'm glad you are because that's just like not me. Oh, I'm not into it. It's so far out of my wheelhouse, but like whenever I do want to play a big dumb character, I'm like, there's nothing that facilitates this well. 
the Wargar, which is essentially Spiderkin, like the anthro version of a spider, which is terrifying. And not only would I burn down every Wargar house I went over, I went and saw in my game, I think in real life I need to burn down the people who wrote down Wargar's houses just to teach them a lesson. Granted, their Spider- name is awesome. I'll give them that, yeah. But spiders are terrifying. And slime people kind of fits in a little bit into the symbiote race. I think a lot of people, that's like sort of an obsession with D&D. You've got the gelatinous cube, different slimes and oozes, and there was like sentient oozes in Beast Jerry 6. Uh, I think a lot of people like that. Your whole race just got Nickelodeon slimed. Oh! <laughs> Don't worry, you did win the People's Choice Award, though. So you've got that going for you. Nick Cannon's offering it to you right now. He's shaking your hand. That's great. Uh, there is the Loshunta, which I know literally nothing about. I didn't know that these were a concept in uh, fantasy, but the Loshunta are actually a core race in the Starfinder RPG that Paisa just released, the you know space-faring version, fantasy version of uh, Pathfinder, kind of. Uh, oh, when you say core race, so that's got to be like as common as human and... and- Oh wow! I'm surprised I don't know about these guys then. Yeah, they're they're basically people with they they look like humans. Um, their big thing is sexual dimorphism in that the males are kind of like strong and stout, and the women are fair and lean. So they actually confer different stats for being uh, different genders. Oh, so but, more than just like the Pathfinder, the women are always a little bit smaller than the men. You're talking about, okay, are you a male Ashunta? Well, then these are your, you actually get a plus two to strength. And if you're... Yeah, and sort of like thing? a minus two to int. And if you're a, a female, you get like a plus two to wisdom and a minus two to dex or something like that. Um, hmm. They have slight telepathic abilities and they got little antenna coming out of their heads. Oh, is this kind of like that character in, in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 movie? If I had saw it, I could answer that. Okay, great. <laughs> And Lashunta have some innate magical abilities. They, they look slightly buggy. They got the antenna thing going on. They sometimes have, like, little bumps on their skins or slight, like, coloration um, to suggest a very slightly insectoid nature. But they, they still look very human. Well, you want to know what else the community wanted? And that is half races. We already mentioned half dwarves. They want half gnomes. They want quarterlings. And I said quarterling, and there's a reason I'm saying quarterling, because this conversation happened in the thread, and I have to read it to you. Wouldn't quarterlings be more like three quarterlings? Except that you wouldn't get three quarterlings, because that would be confusing a lot of characters and a problem. But you get what I mean? Response. Well, they'd be half-halfling, and half of a half is a quarter, but the half is already half of a human, so the half-human and half-half of a human, it gets really confusing. So then somebody responded, maybe just do a template for this. (laughs) I mean, this goes just right back to what I was saying in that people like the lore of small races, but don't actually want to be a small race. All three of these are the core smallish races. Half dwarves, half gnomes, quarterlings. Like, <laughs> I don't want to play a short person. No one does, for the most part. To run off of the, the, take the half gauntlet and run with it to the point of, not for the sake of moving things into different size categories, but part of the lore of Galarian is that humans have the ability to procreate with many things. And that's why you get half elves and, and the like, half ogres, or half orcs. But they really need to expand past those two. There's a couple things in lore, but you won't really ever find another half race. And I think there's maybe some open design space for that to have half different other races. I don't think it is as easy as a template, even though that was being said jokingly. I think those really do have to sort of get their own rules. When you look at the elf and the half-elf, I really do feel like there is a difference there, even with the orc and the half-orc. 
And I don't think it's as simple as, well, you know, pick one trait from each race sort of thing. I think that might get too broken too quick. Um, and then, of course, people mentioned other games. They want the Dragonborn from Elder Scrolls. They want the Goron from Zelda. They want the Mudokan from Abe's Odyssey. They want the Stitch Together race from Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh, what was like that? that? Oogie Boogie. And then there was some sort of, like, people talked about different races that I think could just be... Uh, alternate racial trait for a the centaur they wanted a servitar which is a deer i had to look that up uh they wanted the dracotar which is a dragon they wanted the philatar which is the cat folk which guess what guys caleb is not interested in let me throw that curveball at you that i have zero interest in that i like that when i google philatar the first link i get is from wikifur the furry encyclopedia <laughs> oh that picture i didn't <laughs> I oh, there's a render. Let's get this out of here. I didn't want to know any of the things I currently know. No, there's so many problems. I have so many problems with this. Guys, <laughs> I think I've... I found the new race we need. We need the horse tar. What? <laughs> it's just a centaur what? with the upper body of a horse on top. No! <laughs> no! I don't want anything to do with this. Get it out of here. Please Google uh. horse tar. I think we finally found how far was too far for Caleb's furry <laughs> inclinations. <laughs> Just stop. It's got six legs, but two of the legs are jutting up in the air. It doesn't know what Christian, to do with them. Stop. <laughs> oh, wait. Hit porn. Let's stop. Uh, uh, okay. Exit out of that. Um, surprise took us so long. Uh, I, I threw up a poll, which is still open. You guys can take down in the description. I have a link uh, of what races did they want. And the top of the list was Minotaur and Lizard Folk. After that was Knoll, followed closely by Centaur, Dragonkin, and Half Dwarves. That was the top five. Minotaur and Lizard Folk, I believe, were completely tied. So, according to the people, I think it was like a 350, you know, heel polled. That seems to be what the community kind of wants. Plant people also ranked high on the list, but we already got that with the Gathlane and Beastray 5, so I didn't include it. And also, we're getting little little plant people the leshies in the new uh wilderness guide or whatever it's called we also have the goron correct the goron that's actually what i meant to say when i said gathlane and in the wilderness guide it's going to be expanding on the gath uh, the goron as well um i don't know if it's just the places you choose to hang out caleb but everyone agrees with the the anthromorph races uh, the top four there are all anthros of some kind oh well i just posted on the pies of forms i guess people who like to play these games it's funny, the top results just said anime. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> if you guys are going to go take the poll that's still open in the description, uh, just note that it allows you to put in your own entry. So there's a bunch that just have one vote, and there's things that uh, we already got in Beastery 5 and 6 that I haven't talked about that you'll see in the poll. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just getting ready to carve the turkey and enjoy ourselves a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, get yourself a slice of turkey, pass the mashed potatoes, grab some dice, and join us. You know what, Christian? This year, I'm thankful for you. 
What are you thankful for? I'm thankful that this ad is finally over. Yeah, everyone else probably is too. So Christian, I want to move on to talk about what I would like in an advanced race guide too. Something I think they sort of came out and said we're not doing this. But if they were, I think actually when they said that, actually, oh, my memory's so fuzzy. But I think I was listening to the panels uh, that came out of PaizoCon. And I think I remember hearing them talking about how a long time ago when they were asked about, they sort of said, no, no race guy too. But, you know, it's been a lot of time and they're considering it. I don't know. So either it's happening or it's not happening. I guess I've really delivered a lot of new information here. But if we were to see it, here's what I would like to see. I would like to see for each race that was already created, I want all the options available to them that have been published in the soft covers, which is player campaigns, campaign settings, those sort of things, put in this book. So, like, for example, the Tieflings get this whole awesome list of different ways you can treat them based on uh, giving them, like, different bloodlines that give them little sort of monstrous demonic aspects. It's really cool. It was well-received. I'd love to see that in the main book. Now, I realize we've, we've never had this conversation. Christian, how do you feel about reprints? A reprint, for people who might not know, is something that has been published in a smaller, less circulated piece, such as a player companion, being published in a main part of the core series, the hardcover books, like Beastary 4, uh, Beastary 6 published troops even though that was written in another campaign setting or something i mean as long as it's not replacing content i don't see why not and sometimes it stirs up enough interest in something that they expand upon it it's not just that they're reprinting it but it also means that there was enough interest that they thought it was a good idea to do that Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that way as well i think some people uh would would argue that you're, you're i'm buying the same material twice if i bought both you're spend you know Paizo likes to have page limits on their hardcovers, and you're wasting quote-unquote space for it. But uh, I like it because I don't own all the small things. I own like two uh, small, you know, soft cover things. And I would like all my stuff in one place, to be quite frank with you. I don't want to have to look up two companions and the advanced race guide to see what I can do with the tiefling. That's a lot of stuff to own when I'd rather just have it all in one book. So uh, that's just a small discussion. I'm sure that'll come up uh, often. That's just sort of something that people feel very strongly about. I- I've gathered in the community, sort of like an anime community, subs versus dubs. You'll have hours and hours of conversation about that. Uh, dubs for life. So I-, I would like to see sort of the reprint of stuff that's been on the other books correlated into this. And I'd like to see for each uncommon race, including the ones that have been introduced in the Beast Jerry's after the Airdrie was published, I want to see them receive as much content that the featured races originally received in the ARG. So it's six pages instead of two pages, or a quarter page for the ones that were in the Beast Jerry's. But for other races that maybe got stuff from the other books, it might already fill it out, so now you're fitting six pages, and that's fine. Don't make any more. I don't need new material. But like, for example, we talked about how awesome we thought the Wurwood was. I would love to see it expanded with six pages. I would love six pages of information. But even just in the ARG itself... Stuff like the um, the Merfolk and the Kitsune, they were uncommon, so they only got that few pages. I'd love to see more information on them. Because that would also mean that they're going to get uh, th- things that they didn't get before, like uh, maybe spells, magic items, more alternate racial traits. Not everything got an archetype uh, that was part of the uncommon. And I would like to see, you, you mentioned before, it was so funny you mentioned that, there was that picture of a bunch of uh, races in their underwear next to each other, the core races, to to show you their different sort of appearance and height. I have forever wanted a full lineup of all the races to see them all next to each other. That would be awesome. Make it poster size, put it on my wall. Uh, I don't really need that. If I could just like turn the page, that would be fine. I'm cool <laughs> with that. 
I'm sure you could fit it all in two, two to four pages. Um, I would really, really enjoy that. I know that's like super niche and like, okay, Gail, that seems pretty weird to, to put your stake on, but I don't, I really, really want that. I just, I only get the core. I would like to see the rest of them there. Freaking at least I had the featured. Come on, guys. Uh, I want to see new races that get uh, two pages each. You know, give them, give them that treatment. That's fine. Give some four pages. I mean, like when we saw the Rougarou, if it's that cool as the Rougarou, throw it four in there. And I'd, I'd like to see tables in the back that correlate and concretely spell out all the races, lifespans, heights, and weights in one place. I'm going to look up in nine different places. I couldn't even find in the ARG where that stuff was listed in a table that somehow the PFSRD found. Um, and we don't have the information for a lot of the uncommon races. I like that stuff listed. Christian, what are some things you'd like to see in, in an advanced race guide too? So something we talked about earlier was the potential half races. Humans can potentially breed with a lot of other races, but that's really only represented with orcs and elves. We had talked about half gnome, half dwarf, quarterling. It might be easier just to make a clear set of rules that say like a human whatever crossbreed can like substitute this racial trait from human and gain one of the following racial traits from all these classes. And it's like list out the potential racial traits they can get. So basically stay stay human, but basically have an alternate racial trait to represent the half race that you are. I think we saw some of that design space in the um, half elf. We did. And there's actually, there is a feat for humans that let them basically be a half race and allows them to take like archetypes and feats and use items as if they were a member of another race. Um, but I think just like clear, concise rules of like basically replacing certain stats or certain abilities with stats and abilities of other races would go a long way to appeasing people who want these half races rather than having to do each individual half race. Um, almost like a race archetype. I'm with you. I, f- I feel the need. I just don't think you, we can do it cleanly enough. I, I let you I let you have your ones, Caleb, without uh, arguing with you. And now Christian, it's a great idea and I think <laughs> you're important to me and your opinions are important. Thank you for supporting me, Caleb. Anything else you'd like to say? I'd like to see more of a breakdown of the the classes that races are attracted to more often. We typically see that in the bestiary entries, um, for some of the more uncommon races. But I think something like an in-lore description of, like, why one of one race would be mostly one class or gravitate towards certain classes would go a long way into, like, fitting these people into a world. But you know what? That's very – it's very not future-proof because when new classes come out, it's not there anymore. Freaking if this came out in the core race, core, you know, you wouldn't even have Gunslinger on there. That is true. Yeah, honestly, I actually – I dislike when that's on there. <sighs> I, just, I don't want to – If we've of- learned anything, even from this episode – I am not always on the same track as the community. Insert here, Philatar. <laughs> Horsetar. Stop! <laughs> it's a horse. The community uh, had a couple ideas. They wanted a process to easily reduce racial hit die of beasts and beast cherries to zero. This is sort of, uh, I guess, in other words, they want a more refined set of monsters PC rules. If you're interested in playing as Monster PC, we just did an episode on that. You can look that one up. They want an improved race builder. There's been a lot of oh, sort gosh, of yes. a lot of criticisms of the race builder. I haven't had a lot of problems with it, Christian. Do you? You seemed pretty like quick to say, "Oh yeah." What are some problems with the race builder? It's just the way that they assign point by values to a lot of the features, things that cost more than other things. It's as if they didn't understand balance at the time. Just to give an example, there is the Ancient Foe option, which is kind of like the gnome thing. You get a plus two dodge bonus to your AC against a certain type of beast. 
this is valued at three race points, which is one of the higher ones. It's typically from one to four. So getting a plus two dodge bonus to AC against one specific type of enemy is rated at three race points. Then you scroll down a little bit and you find resistant, which is members of this race gain a plus two racial bonus on saving throws against mind affecting effects and poison. Do you think that is stronger or weaker than plus two dodge bonus to one type of enemy? Probably stronger, unless you've picked, like, humanoid. Or even then, that you have to pick a specific kind of humanoid. Yeah, it's stronger. It's much stronger, and it is only two points as compared to three. So just a lot of these are out of whack with what they really should be. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then I'm I'm on board. They want an option to sell attributes, so uh, I think it's actually pretty interesting. So if you're... We've talked about tiefling before. If you're a tiefling, but you didn't like this one trait, is there a way I can sell it for another? Like, oh, the tiefling really is perfect for what I want to be, but there's just this one thing that I'd like to change about it. If there was an option for that, that'd be pretty cool. They wanted support for tieflings, sylphs, undying, orids, and ifrits who don't want to be sorcerers. And uh, I I did this a lot, like, over a year ago. So this is before we did our episodes. And when I read it, I'm like, I, okay, I guess. I mean, can't some people are just more fit to one than the other. And then we did the episodes, and we found out that each one had a racial trait that was like, if you're a sorcerer, here's your bloodline. So I, I, I'm with them now. I can vibe with this. And more subtypes to get represented by races. Undead, dragon, fey, monstrous humanoid. And uh, since I asked this uh, uh, over a year ago, we've seen a few fey, so I think that one's taken care of. But we really haven't seen the others. And each one is one we did bring up uh, in our discussion before. Talked about skeletons as undead. Talked about dragon boys. I want to apologize to you guys if you guys can hear the guy mowing uh, outside of my brain. He freaking somehow crawled into my house and is mowing right in my ear! What? <laughs> Woof, Christian. Uh, that this is, we've, we're coming to a close for our, our race overview series. It's Christian, it's been over a year, over 50 episodes, and, and here we're coming to the end. Thank goodness it's over. Now we can do classes. Yes. Oh, Christian. You're so cute when you think that you're going to get things that you won't get for literally years. <laughs> uh, but I, kind of, I want to reflect a little bit on, on what this all was. So I want to ask us just a couple of, of uh, uh, questions about all these races that we've, we've gone over. So, Christian, what are your top five favorite races? Now, when we say favorite races, like, how am I rating them just, like, aesthetically, like, I think this is cool, or ones that I actually play and like to make stories for? Christian, you're going too deep. However you want to, to that, that to be. All right, so I'm going to rate these based on kind of a combination of the two. I'm going to look at, like, think of what I've played in the past and what I like to write back stories for, what kind of experiences I want to tell, stories I want to tell. Um, number one, it's probably, my list is probably going to be pretty boring. It's probably going to be a lot of core races. Um, and my number one is definitely human. Despite me being a human in real life, um, there's so many walks of life that I personally don't know. And every time I make a human character, I am learning new things about the real world because I'm considering different circumstances, considering different possibilities, um, and then with a combination of fantasy stuff. So human's definitely my number one. I play them a lot and make a lot of different stories for humans. That's a... That's interesting. I, I was going to have uh, humans as number five on my list, but I didn't want to overlap with any of yours. And that's like a strong – that says something, right? That even though it's humans in this fantasy world, we're picking humans. That's a testament to, I think, how powerfully the human race was built uh, in Pathfinder. When you consider – when you make a character, a lot of times the race – 
influences some small things. Like if you pick a Rougarou, for example, one of our favorite Rougarou. If you pick a Rougarou, you're only getting the scent and the bite ability, really. And then you just kind of look at the ability scores. And that's sort of like the big influence on your character. But with those core races, and especially human, there are so many options. It's a strong contender. My number one is unsurprisingly the cat folk. And I don't even think that they're like uh, racial abilities are super awesome or super interesting. I actually think that there's a couple that, you know, could be improved. Uh, but I've always liked the concept of a cat folk and they were able to at least reflect something that would be akin to a cat folk in the stats and, uh, and even let you sort of a little bit of flexibility if you want to try to do some of that natural cat attack build. Or if you want to become a wizard or all sorts of different, a bar, that sort of thing. Uh, I want to, I got to make a cat folk cavalier. There's something about a cat and a horse. I just got to do it, Christian. A filatar? No! Hey, Christian! How you and your you, tars! How often do you actually play cat folk characters? Uh, well, I, I sort of suffer from the always a GM, never a player. Uh, how often do I play it? Let's see. I think I've only ever played one cat folk character as a player. And I've played dozens of cat folk NPCs. Nope, I've played... Two characters. One was uh, a alchemist that was sort of focusing on sneak attacks. He was a vivisectionist, and the other was a gunslinger. Well, something I haven't made yet, but I want to, and my number two race is the Rougarou. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm going to talk more about them later. Um, but I don't know. I actually like the Rougarou. I think they're really simple. I think the simplicity is what I like the most about them because it really allows you to assign a lot to the race because it's not already being told to you. And like I said, I like kind of... Um, canvas races that kind of let you go wherever you want i really like their stat spread um it's sometimes hard to find a race that fits like the big strong but not particularly intelligent and rougarou fits that really well um and they have this kind of spiritual tribal bent to them that not a lot of races have despite you enjoying their simplicity so much it's a race i'd actually really like to see uh expanded i would like to see that design space used He's definitely a good boy, and, he, and he's uh, adorable, and his he, they took the fewest things possible to really reflect what they wanted to have. Scent and bite. What else is a dog? What is a dog but a miserable little pile of hidden bones <laughs> in the backyard? <laughs> a miserable pile of secrets. Memes. So my number two is the merfolk. One of the few that we really had a sharp disagreement with. I really like the sort of asymmetry of them. Uh, I, I liked, I think we sort of talked about, we wanted to see more races that branched off of just, I'm a bipedal humanoid person. And I'm really happy that the merfolk did that and they reflected that in ways that were like real. It's like, oh crap, my move speed sucks now uh, to compensate for this, at least this swim I get. I don't know, I really, really uh, enjoyed them taking that leap. And they're cool and interesting. That was my first ever uh, character was a merfolk. Incredibly strange option. I'm not going to judge you, but I'm totally judging you. <laughs> that, that's all right, Christian. I, uh, it's it's deserved. <laughs> My number three is going to have to be Elf. Um, I really like the fact that the Elves have a really long lifespan. Whenever I make an Elf character, I always have to consider, like, wait, this person has to be, like, a hundred and something years old at least, could potentially be more. I have to think about what this person was doing for hundreds of years, and I find that it really helps to flesh out a character. I have a lot to build upon uh, making someone where I'd be like, well... What do you do for these 40 years? What do you do for these 20 years? Um, so on and so forth. Mechanically, they're not my favorite. I don't really like a lot of what they do, but I think story-wise, elves are in a really interesting place being like this super long lifespan race, but lives uh, closely with regular races. 
And maybe the power gamer listeners are having a conniption hearing us talk about why we like these races. I'm like, I like the cat folk. I don't really care about their mechanics, but I love the flavor. And you're like, I love the elf. Maybe I guess they're okay, but I really like that. That's, I think that every player is different. And, and really that's how I pick my player characters races is a lot by sort of the aesthetic and the, the history behind that sort of thing. What do I, and then I just hope that the stats will work out for what I want. (laughs) My number three choice is the Kitsune. Uh, sort of limited. She didn't get as many pages as a lot of the other races. But uh, the feat, we talked about how amazing that feat was. And that's it's one of the best, if not the best, in this entire book of taking a source material and reflecting it well. Kitsune had nine tails. Each time take a feat, get a new tail, get a new cool ability. Uh, they're pretty neat. And they get to they get to transform, which like with the Ruru, it's always a cool thing to be able to transform into an animal. Opens up a lot of opportunities for role-playing. My number four is going to be Dwarf, uh, which I'm, I'm still a little mixed on Dwarf, um, but I really like Dwarves because they are listed as a stoic race. I always find it interesting to try and write up a character who who has kind of the stoic background as the Dwarves are, but are spurred to action and spurred to cooperation with the rest of the party. I also really like Dwarves mechanically. I think they're actually one of the... Sh- stronger mechanical races with their saving throw bonus. Um, and I've said before that I, I'm not a big fan of the smaller races, which Dwarf kind of is. They're still a medium-sized creature, though, which speaks to, like, how much I actually do like them because they already have that mm-hmm. negative going for them that I don't really like their statue. I, I'm not a big fan of their aesthetic, but I, I really like their lore, and I really like the way that the race is written. Yeah, I think even on that episode, it's been so long, it's one of the, that was the first one in the series. Uh, I even sort of talked about, you know, I'm with you. These these stats were surprisingly interesting, uh, as much as I didn't care for the ones that just focused on killing giants or whatever. Um, I find it interesting you talk about that whole stoic aspect. That's like as a GM, the worst thing. I don't want that in my player. It's it's already we're already trying to avoid sort of the well. Why is the group together? Oh, I guess I'll help you. I find it interesting that that's something you're trying to work to do. Well, I mean, because it's writing a character that, despite being stoic, um is spurred to do good things. It, it has a powerful enough personality to, that despite that, they go out to do these adventures. Oh, so sort of something like within them. Yes. Gotcha. Well, my number four is uh, the Huggable, the Lovable, the Kasatha. Uh, I need to be hugged by them forearms, son. Those well-defined forearms. <laughs> I need it. Uh, Alien is a great sort of interesting direction to take things. They've got forearms, which is a build I tried to do so many times by using alchemists' shenanigans, shenanigans that was retconned out of existence, uh, eroded off the map. Uh, Kasatha is just really interesting for me, and uh, and I even think that it wouldn't be that hard to get a GM, at least a GM that knows you, to let you play Kasatha. We talked a lot about Kasatha during their episode. We have a lot of experiences with them. And to note, uh, in Starfinder, Kasatha are a core race. Noise. Shooting them four guns. It's four attacks. Four. So they're clearly popular enough uh, and have enough material enough to actually become a core race in, you know, a... Yeah, they are, um, I, I, I recently, not recently, but I did get and recently looked at the Iron Gods Adventure Path, and they feature the Kasatha. Last, my number five has to be the Samsarin. Um, I really, really like the Samsarin uh, from a lot of different perspectives. Aesthetically, I think they're pretty cool. Lore-wise, I think they are awesome. I really like the idea of a reincarnating race. 
um, with snippets of their past lives in their memories, which allows so much for writing a character, for storytelling, for flavoring a character. There's so much to do with that. And mechanically, they're really interesting, and they're one of the more unique races mechanically. They're one of the only ones that are really pushed solely towards spell casting. You can obviously do other things with the Samsaran, but the way their stat spread is, the way the lot um racial traits end up working out, they're one of the only ones that have this, like, mysticism built into them. I know when we did that episode you talked about before, like you were you were looking forward to them when we got them and you enjoyed them. It definitely is a unique concept. Usually death isn't a big part of uh, race's um, identity. And it's cool to see that when it does happen, like uh, with the Sam Saren and with that um, in the shop to you, I just loved the look of. I also think Sam Saren are interesting because if I recall correctly, and I'm looking now to try and double check, they're not really inspired from anything. They're just kind of like their own new idea. My number five is a cheat. Can I cheat, Christian? Cheat. Can I get GM permission to cheat? Fine. I trust you. Uh, wow. First, that's your first mistake. Uh, the tiefling. And I'm picking the tiefling because uh, the flexibility in visuals, you can look like, like if I'm a cat folk, I'm pretty much looking the same and I can kind of pick my fur pattern, I guess. But with the tiefling, you have a wide variety of how you want to look as long as it's demon-esque and there's aspects of demons. And you can blend that between your your core, your base race, which is usually human, to, to demon as much as you want to make that look. And uh, the reason I'm saying I'm cheating is because the reason I like the tiefling comes from supplemental material that we got uh, that we didn't really go over in the episode. And uh, I was recently just poking around on Hero Lab making a tiefling just to check it out. And it was, it was quite interesting. There's a chart with 100 options, and you roll a D100, and you roll three times, and you take the one you want. And it's just like different random things, like uh, you now get nutrition from ash and dust, uh, or y- your, your body radiates heat. It gets so hot, and so if you're grappled, you do 1D4 points of damage. It's like really small things, but they're, they're identifying. They always come with some sort of ore, like your hands are oversized, so now you can use weapons made for large creatures things like that to help you sort of customize him and then there was uh you can pick origins and there's six sets of origins of different like demons daemons quillips that sort of thing and that changed your base stat so instead of getting whatever like the plus two to intelligence minus four to whatever the heck uh you can you can switch it up to now okay well now you get a plus two to strength or instead you can get plus two to con and you get your negatives in different areas. It allows this one race to no longer be hampered by that ability score, which can be a problem. Like, I want to make a cat folk a lot, but it's just not going to work with my, I don't know, I'm making it up, kineticist. And I really want a kineticist. Oh, well, I'll pick a different race. Uh-uh. Now I can, I can, I have more flexibility and can be a tiefling with almost any class with these supplemental materials. It's an interesting pick. I think tiefling are really interesting. I've always expressed hesitation on tieflings because i think they're edgy i use that word a lot um i think tieflings are really conductive to very edgy characters who've had the same story told over and over again but that's not a limiter for the whole race i don't think just Mm -hmm. because that's what immediately comes to mind that the race is invalid i definitely think tieflings can tell really interesting stories and can write really interesting characters so i can actually just tell you what i've played before because i've been a player so few times i've been a merfolk twice a catfolk twice and a dampire, and I think that is the culmination. And a human. That is everything I've ever been. What about you? I have played a lot of things. I've played... A lot of human, did you say? What was that? Well, I play, I have played a lot of humans. Um, I've played Sylph before. Sylph was actually one of my favorite characters. I've played played Dwarf, played Elf, played Half-Elf. Played Catfolk? 
No, I have not. Yes, you have. Oh. <laughs> you have for at least 100 hours. <laughs> I was forced to, though, Caleb. <laughs> it's different. You could have been a Gripply. With beautiful flowing hair, yes. Beautiful flowing hair. There was, there was at least six different anthropomorphic races. I played a Strix once. How was that? It was during a one shot. It was it was strange. Um, cause like you have to you have to so heavily consider writing in like I don't like humans. How do I overcome that? Right. I want to be strict just to put a, the skeleton template on it so I can have like those Kerrigan wings and attack with them like from Starcraft. I played a kobold once as a wizard. That was fun. I, I've played a lar- I've played a large variety of races. It sounds like you get more opportunities than I do to get to be a player. I make other people GM. <laughs> I'm like, that's not running anything. You have to run something. Hey, Brian, you want to play role-playing games tonight? I can't. My body's trapped in this strange membrane. Wow. Should I take you to a doctor? Nah, it feels really good. Just put my earbuds in. No, that's just wrong. But here at Tales from the Lich, we're all right. When you can't play, listen. Talesfromthelich.com <sighs> That's just wrong. What is your most hated race? That that is an easy one. The Asimar. I hate the Asimar so much. Really? They are so. You sure, very... it's not the Gathlane. We did have like a forty-minute conversation about how you hate how Gathlane can fly. No, no, that's just them flying. But that's not like the whole aspect of the race. I think Gathlings could probably make interesting characters. I do not think you can make an interesting Asimar. I think Asimar are so boring. Wow. You, you have a holy thing in your blood. You're from angels. I think that is the most uninteresting, boring character. There's only two paths you can really go. Of course, there's more than two paths, but it's either you're doing good things, you're expected to do good things, you're part angel, everyone expected that, yawn, boring, or you were born an angel, but now you're a bad boy, and you're wearing leather jackets, and it's it, it's so tropey, the entire race is like just rife with tropes, it's so hard to write around them, and they just reek of the chosen one, like, storyline, and I hate the chosen one storyline. <laughs> Um, and that, you don't and that like should... the Matrix? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I don't. What about Star that. Wars? Oh wait, yeah. Um, I, I think the Chosen One's a terrible way of telling a story. Not only this is just wait, like wait, them. I gotta write a letter to God. Please <laughs> revamp Bible story. <laughs> Christian says four out of ten would not read again. Send back new copy to this address, or let me send it in the mail. That that's just from a like lore character writing standpoint what's this your main character can do anything lame and he came back from the dead without any sort of resurrection sickness or anything and his resurrected character was even stronger overpowered much listen i've got a whole list of things well because you know god's writing has the uh has a shakespeare effect where he was the first person to do all that so when you're reading it you're like this is boring i've seen all that before but he was the first one to do it It was interesting when it was first made. <laughs> but that's all. That's just, just just the lore of them and character writing of them. Mechanically, I also hate them because they don't have any drawbacks. And one way to make me completely uninterested in making a character, in, in any character, is that the character doesn't have a drawback. The entire race are Mary Sue's, and I can't stand it. Remember, remember how you said Tiefling had that table of really interesting, flavorful things? Like, you eat ash and get nourishment from that and all mm-hmm. those really like you know they're kind of gross but they're kind of cool mm-hmm. asimar had the same thing but it's all incredibly boring holy things that's like wow i guess 
Like, you could cast Spear of Purity once a day. You can eat wine and honey and subsist off that. You get bonus to saving throws against evil things. You can make light. It's so boy. Oh, I hate the Asimar race. Wow, strong feelings from Christian over here. Uh, I want to throw what you said about Tiefling back in your face, though. Is even just because something screams "Do this with me" with your story doesn't mean you have to. Can't you take it in a fun and interesting new direction? It, I feel, but if you take it anywhere else with an Asimar, you're just a human. Like know. if you're just like I'm just a normal person that just happens to have. And angel ancestry, you're basically just a human. I don't know. Like, I, I think it'd be cool to create a character with those angel wings, like, and get like the metallic feet that make them like Angel from the X Men, and be up in the sky shooting people with arrows. That sounds cool to me. What, what, what's so wrong with having the fantasy of being an angelic person? Because <laughs> your fantasies are dumb, and I hate them. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, well, at Celestia- least I can agree with you on this. Uh, how can I disagree that? There's just not enough drawbacks. It's just like, it's very, very strong. There, there's exactly one drawback in that they're outsiders, so they can't be affected by spells. It's a humanoid. But guess what? There's a racial trait that literally just says, you're a humanoid now. Just you don't get celestial as a language. What a what a terrible thing to happen to you. Uh, celestial beings and the heavens never really interested me in fantasy. Um, they are too human-like. They are two just idolized humans, which I find very boring. Whereas when you when you have tieflings, like the things that they represent, like hells and the abyss, they have very aesthetically interesting things. You have demons that are based on different kind of lores. Whereas the things in the heaven are just like we're humans. We just, we're just really shiny. <laughs> Either that, or we're little babies with harps on, on clouds. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> none of that. <laughs> Is there an alternate racial trait for that? Well, Christian, I think that people might be upset with you because this seems like a, a deeply personal thing. It's almost like this list of top five is our personal lists and doesn't reflect objective reality and everyone can have their own lists. And the same person that would be angry that that was your number five just because you arbitrarily dislike them would be angry with my number one because I arbitrarily do like cat folk. It's almost like we're independent people with our own thoughts. It's not arbitrary, Caleb. I had a lot of good reasons. <laughs> Well, my most hated race is the, thank you for asking, is the Surf Neblin, and the Weiyang is a close runner-up. Surf Neblin. Surf Neblin, you'll be caught up in the super terribly balanced, boring small creatures. <laughs> Overpowered for no reason, the, the Surf Neblin specifically, small, ugly looking. Uh, I just have zero interest. The long beard aesthetic has never been a thing that I've been interested in. I'd rather be almost any other race. Really, really, really do not like them for that very arbitrary uh, sort of reason. Uh, but I hope that at least people can understand the overpoweredness of them seems pretty ridiculous. Uh, and we've talked about in the past how it's okay to have overpowered races and there's ways you can work around that or work with that if other people pick powerful races. I just, it just seemed, I just didn't like them. It just like seemed sort of randomly these powerful small dudes. And, I mean, there's, uh, there's overpowered, then there's 24 RP, which the Surf Neblin are. Sure. Maybe we can have a, a party of Surf Neblins and Munavries. Um, <laughs> but I actually want to take this opportunity to say something. And this is something I sort of wished we said the first time we ever made or at least i ever let me put this on maybe not include christian this at all uh i ever made the statement that i didn't like a race because it was short i mean i've even made a couple times in this episode i really wish we'd put this in in the first episode we did that and it's i want to make it clear that i don't hate gnomes halflings and other such races 
I'm just not interested in playing as them. It has no pull on me to roleplay as them, and it bothers me on an aesthetic level. I mention this because there are people in real life that are small, either children, who I hate just because they're annoying and immature, and I can't stand to have two immature people in the room. It can't be both of us, all right? We need an adult. Uh, or people who have dwarfism, and I don't want to communicate that I hate these real people because they're small. I just don't want to be them in this fantasy world without something else to spice it up. This goes for the human race in Pathfinder as well. I would have just about zero desire to play human, uh, but I find myself playing them once in a while because they have a lot of things that makes the fantasy interesting for me. Uh, a lot of feats and different things that we talked about why they were number one in your list. That ends up being sort of in the human's case that their vast array of customiz- customization options available art is a big one. When I try to pick something, I always uh, uh, character, I always find art on the internet, and it's a whole lot easier to find human art than it is of the other races, especially when you get to some of the you know sort of edge case races. And they're just so very strong mechanically. Uh, in, in the same vein, I don't want to be a short person unless there's something there to spice it up. I sort of like the idea of rat folk, of goblins, uh, especially werewoods, because they have something other than just being small to make them interesting from a fantasy perspective. So I'm in no way devaluing or have a lesser opinion of anyone who, outside of the fantasy world, is short. It's just not the fantasy of the kind of person I want to roleplay as. And I hope if at any point my words hurt anybody, uh, take this as my apology. And I certainly didn't mean to hurt anybody. I mean, the the Surf Neblin are, I mean, we talk a lot about it in that episode about, we just thought it was stupid. They're just kind of like arbitrarily incredibly strong. Uh, and then they just don't have a lot going for them. Like they live in the underdarky area and that's really about it. I'm sure there's people from D&D who are like, who take that source material and, and, and may have loved it, but it certainly wasn't me. And they also have a base speed of 20 feet. Despite having 24 RP, they still couldn't have 30-foot move speed. Well, speaking of things that di- that uh, we didn't like, what was the di- most disappointing race that we went over? I'd have to say probably the Waverin. Um, it was the first thing we were supposed to get that's like, this is a dragon-type race. Uh, we talked a lot earlier in the episode about how like we think dragon-type things are really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's even the core race in like uh, Dungeons & Dragons 4th and 5th edition, I think. Um, and then we got the Waverin, which was just kind of weird. It has a really weird stat spread. It has really strange lore in that it is the fusion of a kobold and a wavern. Don't ask me how that's possible. I really don't get it. They didn't really have much going for them. They just, they had the dragon type and they had a fly speed. And that was really it. They didn't really get anything else. So it was kind of just like, here you go. Yeah. Is that dragon enough for you? It's like, well, yeah, technically it is, but I kind of want, I want a little bit more than that. The things that they got weren't necessarily reflective of a dragon. We could take their stats, aside from the dragon subtype, and be like, this could be anything. This doesn't necessarily have to be a dragon. Sort of like the Rougarou, we were like, oh, this is definitely a dog. That wasn't the case with the Wervan. Yeah, they. I mean, all they really have is this fly speed, dark vision. A terrible and... fly speed that other races Clum- it's cl- have clums to start off better or can get better through easy feats. And they had this uh, awkward tail slap that can only make attacks of opportunity. So, like, any flying creature with a tail could be represented by this. Uh, what what exactly makes it a dragon other than immunity to sleep effects? Uh, n- nothing. There's really nothing here that makes it specifically a dragon. Plus two dex, plus two wisdom, minus two int. N- nothing about that. Nothing about that stat spread makes you think a dragon esque mm-hmm. creature. Yeah. Typically they are strong. Typically they are smart. They are typically not fast and wise. I I, I just didn't really get it. Like a flying dragon thing is something I'd really like to play, and the wavering just like. It's, it's kind of just like, here, you ask for it, there you go. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you'll have to try to make a build despite the stats you're given now. 
Um, my most disappointing was most obviously the Caligny. I enjoyed the Dark Folk from a lore perspective, and the inf- the the stats on them was just very disappointing, uh, ineffective. They were weak. They were just plain old weak. And, and I think it could be easily fixed, but they just missed the mark. Oh, Christian, I just got an email from Paizo staff. They're telling us that we can each pick one race that will get the 10-page core treatment in their next book. Which one do you pick? <gasps> the Rougarou! <laughs> I mean, Rougarou, slap the lock-in button. <laughs> My final answer. <laughs> I, I talked about Rougarou, like, multiple times before this. I love the Rougarou. I think they are a simple and precise mechanical fit for being a dog person. Uh, because of their lore, they can really fit into any adventure because they are just nomadic wanderers that can technically just have a tribe anywhere near where the story is happening. And as I mentioned before, they have this spiritual, tribal, almost Native American type um, niche that all the core races are missing. Um, The closest that come to that are the half-orcs. The orcs are supposed to be kind of tribal, um, but the half-orcs don't have that as much. And it'd be cool to have a core race that represents that more strongly. Well, uh, I, obviously, I agree with you. I actually think it's really interesting to find that, like, in the end, some of the some of the races that we most talk about. Uh, for me, it's the cat. You, it's the dog. Look at that. <laughs> so, so you're adding cat folks to the core races, then, right? Yeah. Well, you know, hey, listen, they, they've already gotten the second best. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll pick something else that could use a little bit more, and that's the Warwood. I almost wanted to say Rougarou. Uh, but their simplicity is kind of what part of what I like about them. So I don't know if I want to give them the whole core treatment, but definitely a good pick. Uh, but and others that I like, such as the Kasatha, are great. But they're sort of in a good place. Warwood could really benefit from getting, you know, alternate racial traits, favorite class options, spells, items, feats. With their story being so awesome, I can imagine them creating some pretty interesting spells and items to throw along with them. And... Uh, I mean, if maybe we can get something to make them a little bigger, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed. But uh, actually, <laughs> playing these as a small race is probably, of all of them, the one I would pick. Not Orangutan Boy? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I find it interesting. Uh, we don't have a representation of a construct in the core races outside of the... And, I mean, none of the core races. The closest we get outside of that, I guess, is Android. Is Which one is not a construct. It's, it's, tre- yeah, it's treated like a contract sometimes and has some trade-offs. And androids actually went on to become a core race in Starfinder and have a lot of the similar things to it. So I, I think it'd be difficult to make a core race have the strength of being a full construct. That's true. But uh, if, if anywhere you can have enough space to sort of balance it out, it would be in the 10 pages. And I think we all agree my pick's better than yours because who really likes dogs in real life? <laughs> stupid You're- little... Four-legged furry things that make me have to vacuum my carpet more often. You don't have a dog. Are there dogs breaking into your house? Shedding? I've lived other places than this, Christian. I just imagine a mad pack of dogs. Caleb's like, oh no, it's the dogs again. (laughs) And they just roll around and mess up your house and then run out. We have neighborhood cats, if that means anything. One day, Do they my break into your I, home? <laughs> no, my wife and I were coming home one day, and we uh, just saw these little kittens run away underneath the porch. Uh, and so I kind of we kind of coaxed them out with some food, with some, I think, turkey leftovers. We're like, cats like turkey, I guess. And these little kittens have been growing up around our apartment. Every once in a while, we see them. We, like, bought cans of cat food. That we, uh, if we see them, we open up for them now. And now they're growing up. They're juvenile. And the little mother's still hanging out with them, still taking care of them. And they're doing okay. We, we, call, we try to call the... Uh, Animal control to come and uh, give them forever homes, uh, but we but whenever we see them, they're always closed. 
At this point, they're doing okay. Out there in the wild. The wild of St. Louis. I wouldn't do as well homeless. <laughs> Not in St. Louis. Well, then again, I am white. Hey, oh. Okay, so, um, let's, 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 uh, I want to conclude this series, letting everybody know about our future plans. Um, we are going to be releasing next the 300 series. We're going to be pretty hardcore on that. And the 300 series is covering advanced topics. So, for example, we'll talk about how to deal with horror, um, how to do, how to create good villains, how to maybe GM for large groups, how to improvise. We'll talk about, sort of related to this, the NPC builder, the monster builder, the, the race builder. More, uh, episode I think is really tough, but I think very, very needed. We'll be talking about useful magic items and gear. It'll be a lot of things like that. Then after that, we're going to do the 400 series, which is going to cover sort of alternate rules. I'm really excited to get to this one because there are alternate rules that I use now because they are so good. You'll find a lot of stuff in Unchained. We're getting it from the, the Game Master book, stuff from like Ultimate Combat and Ultimate Magic. Um, I'm excited to get into that as well. There's a lot of alternate rules that I consider just fixes to existing mm-hmm. problems in the core rulebook, so I always just assume automatically we're using them. And then after that, we're going to be covering the classes. Uh, woof! Woo. If you liked if you liked the Race Over series, and you thought, boy, that wasn't long enough, then the class series is for you. Uh, and they won't be 15-minute episodes like many of these race episodes were. We'll be going over all the classes. We the, the first One of the first episodes we did, or the series we did, was the Advanced Class Guide. We went over those uh, classes that were introduced with the Advanced Class Guide. And Christian, you really enjoyed that. I love talking about the mechanics. Whenever I play the game, I'm always someone that is trying to find a way to fuse together the mechanics of a class and the story that they tell and their background and upbringing. So it's something I'm very passionate about. It's kind of the crux of what I do as a player. Um, and so during those series, we'll be putting in smatterings of other series. So, for example, during the 300 and 400 series, we'll release the occasional class overview. And uh, and we also intend to, on doing book reviews throughout all the series. Every once in a while, just throw in a new book review, like we did with Bestiary 1 during this series. And the goal is that by the time we finish the class overview series, we've we've reviewed all the hardcover books, which I think is would be really, really helpful for our listeners I think a lot of people uh, sort of come to this podcast looking for specific things. I want to know how to do Comet Magic. There I have an episode. I want to play a Tiefling. There's an episode. I want to know how good is, you know, Beast Jerry 6. I think it'd be a great thing to have it, have the episode. Uh, the Beast Jerry 1 episode did very, very well, and I really enjoyed doing it. That information is concisely on our website, tblazer.net, where you can, you'll always be able to see what episodes have come out, what episodes are coming out next. What are you most excited about in the upcoming release? Oh, I don't know. Probably the class overviews. They're definitely interesting. They're they're they're. I don't think they're my uh, cup of tea as much as they're yours. But I do enjoy like oh like I don't even know anything about the mesmerist, and I learn about when we do it. Like with the advanced class guide, there was classes I just don't know anything about. I'll probably never get to it. But because of this podcast and doing them, I got to learn about them, and I enjoyed that. The way I see it is that the things that the people in the world are capable of are what shape how the world and society actually act so having an accurate knowledge of the way that all these classes do things and you know their capabilities will help you flush out further the world when you have a city full of these clerics well what exactly can clerics do Mm -hmm. when you know exactly what clerics can do at certain power levels then you know how they'll act in a city in their own clergy and so on so forth how a, a pact of druids in the wild how what they can actually do to create a city to create a, a living space for others like them 
I'm sort of I'm looking forward to the book reviews. I really enjoy doing Bestiary One. I'll be enjoying doing the rest of the Bestiaries. But I'm really excited to get into the 300 series again. We it's like a little bit of nostalgia. It's been so long since we did the 100 and 200 series, and that was kind of like how we built this podcast. And I always enjoy talking about like those issues. It was fun, like jamming tips, right? So I'm I'm happy to get back into that. Uh, write us. Let us know what you're looking forward to most. Uh, once in a while, sometimes we we do things based on uh, what the listeners say. Some listener said, just some rando said to us, "Hey, don't forget to do the ninja class." And we're like, you know what? Let's just do the ninja class. Let's just have it as the next episode. So if there's something you want us to, you know, break this, break the release schedule to get out to you, we're always happy to to facilitate. Thank you all for listening to the entire race overview series. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. This is Johan Martens. Thanks for listening.